Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it because really it was such a whirlwind. Um, But it was cool to see the opportunities. But again, I don't think I quite understood the possibility behind it. I mean, I kind of thought, man, if I could make, you know, enough money, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week or something where I could just cover the cost of my travel. You're listening to Alex from TravelFashionGirl.com, an amazing friend of mine who I've gotten to know very well over the last year. She has a great story about how she almost kind of stumbled upon her niche, which is the travel industry, through a lot of experiences and problems and people that she had experienced on her own travels. She built this website and it took off and it became a whirlwind or a whirlwind, a whirlwind of an opportunity for her. And she didn't even quite know exactly what it can, what it could turn into. And um, you're hearing the beginning parts of this story. And I'd love to share this entire story with you and how she's built her empire at TravelFashionGirl.com, the different methods that she's generating an income, the uh, new ways that she's involving physical products into this brand that literally just started out as a blog to help people travel more efficiently. So we're going to dive into Alex's story today. Again, you can find her at TravelFashionGirl.com. But first, as always, let's get to the music. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, the one thing he misses about his old job are the weekly softball games, Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here. Welcome to session 353 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Really thankful you're joining me today, and I appreciate you so much for your time If you don't know who I am, my name is Pat Flynn. I'm here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. We are off to an amazing start here in 2019. Last week, we interviewed a hero of mine, Marcus Brownlee, MKBHD, as you might know. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, listen to that one after. That's 352. This episode, even better. This is an incredible story with Alex from Travel Fashion Girl, breaking down exactly how she got her start and also all the different kinds of ways she gen- she's generating an income. And for any of you out there who is doing any sort of advertising on your website, you definitely wanna make sure you pay attention because Alex has found a number of tools and resources that can help you 
literally almost overnight increase the amount of earnings that you could potentially have. Um, it may not be relevant to everybody depending on how much traffic you already have, but make sure to pay attention all the way through and uh, I'll meet up with you at the end. So let's get right into it. Here is Alex from TravelFashionGirl.com. Hey, Alex, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. You know, you and I have gotten to know each other very well this year. We've worked together on your business and had uh, a lot of time together in person in San Diego through the accelerator program that I have. And just what you've put together over the last number of years is amazing. And I cannot wait to share your story and unpack some strategies and tips that you've had to grow your business for everybody else listening in. So, um, Alex, why don't you tell us what Travel Fashion Girl is all about? And then we'll kind of go back in time and discover how that was all kind of created. Travel Fashion Girl is a website where we teach women how to travel carry-on only in a stylishly and efficient way. So it's all about how to pack, and we teach principles on how you can downsize your suitcase so that way you can enjoy your travels stress-free in a more relaxed um, experience without having to drag around a big, heavy suitcase full of stuff that you don't need. So teaching you the practicality along with some essential information about what to wear, what to pack to help travelers be prepared when they're on the go. Very nice. So what, what kinds of things can a person expect when they go to Travel Fashion Girl that would be really useful for them? I see you have, for example, packing lists. Like what other essentials and assets do you have that uh, people really enjoy on your brand? Packing lists are one of our most important definitely one of our most important resources because it helps people streamline what they're going to bring. It's really overwhelming to think, you know, I'm going somewhere I've never been. I'm going around the world. I'm going across the pond, wherever you're going. You've never been there. So it's really a bit of a scary feeling. So our packing list and our guides on what to wear really show someone everything they need from the weather to cultural expectations, things that would be more practical such as bringing waterproof boots if it's going to be raining or thermals if you're traveling in the cold. So definitely we have information about the clothing. A lot about it, a lot of it is about clothing because, well, targeting towards women, men do it too. I'm sure you guys overpack, but as a girl traveling, I know, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was really hard not to pack a bunch of stuff. I mean, we are used to having a huge closet full of things. So how do you choose just how do you fit all of your closet into one tiny suitcase? So all of the guides are meant to show you not to do that, first of all. So exactly how to pick the clothes that do make sense for your trips. That's so cool. And, then, and when you say these guides, these are free, accessible posts on your website? Yes, everything is free to use on the website, um, including our packing list, the different guides on what to wear. We have reviews on gear, such as the best luggage, the best backpacks, the most comfortable walking shoes. So we have product roundups. And we also tackle things that are really certain topics that are popular within our community, such as how to have a stress-free flight experience or some in-flight essentials that could help make your, your long-haul journey more comfortable. Nice. I cannot wait to dive into the website and the business model and the income generation strategies and those kinds of things. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but I do want to kind of go back in time and talk about like when did what year did you start Travel Fashion Girl? I started in August 2012. 2012. And what gave you the idea to create this? Like where did this origin like what's the origin story behind it? 
I'd actually been traveling full-time for a number of years before I started Travel Fashion Girl. And really the website rooted from my own frustrations as a traveler. I quit my job to travel in um, 2008. And I was only taking a three-month sabbatical. And it ended up being long-term. And I traveled for almost a decade full-time. And the first four years of that, I was carrying a big, heavy backpack. I was backpacking around the world, moving around every couple of days. And somehow I had so much baggage on me, literally, mm -hmm. and, and I wasn't prepared for anything. I wasn't happy with what I brought, the clothing that I brought, just either it wasn't suitable for the weather in a practical sense. And it also didn't make me feel comfortable because it wasn't, I didn't bring clothing that was true to what I was used to wearing at home in Los Angeles where I'm from. So it was through my own struggles and frustrations that I started researching online, trying to find a resource to help me downsize. And the information that I found online seemed to be a bit more geared towards a male traveler or maybe someone that was backpacking and hiking in a mountain sense versus backpacking, traveling around the world. Mm. And the packing list consisted of things such as, you know, bring three quick dry teas, one pair of convertible pants and three underwear you can flip inside out every other, you know, every other day. So. <laughs> Kind of, you know, as a girl, convertible pants and flipping my underwear inside out isn't really kind of the thing that I wanted to do. Right. And, I, and I realized the information really wasn't catering to me because even though, you know, I wasn't trying to travel with like heels and a bunch of makeup and frivolous things, but I didn't want to feel prepared. And I also wanted to feel comfortable with my clothing and not wear convertible pants, for example, if it wasn't necessary and if it didn't suit my style. So I also found out that in my journey, as I started talking to other backpackers and travelers at hostels and asking them questions about how they packed, they were expressing a lot of the same frustrations. So in 2011, I started interviewing more female travelers on the road that I'd meet in person. And I started compiling all the information that I learned about how to downsize the things that worked, the things that didn't work. And I started putting things together, and eventually a year later, I put all the information that I collected onto this website that I launched, Travel Fashion Girl. That's so cool. I think a big lesson there, and this is something I teach in my courses, is that one of the most important things you can do before you create anything is to have conversations with people. And even though you were essentially your own avatar, which is a great start, Having conversations with others is is really, really important. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned from those conversations that you put into your brand later? Well, the most game-changing conversation I had was actually with a girl, um, and, and um, she was from Canada, and I think we were at a hostel in Mexico somewhere in maybe Medida, and she was only traveling with a backpack like us, like a, a backpack for college, like a college school backpack. And she had six pieces of clothing. And I was absolutely astounded because it was this was everything I wanted. I wanted to just travel with a small bag. That feeling of seeing people wander around the world, it seemed so freeing and comfortable and easy. And I wanted that. And to know she was doing it with six pieces. So she explained everything to me about why she chose each thing. And then she also explained the things that she wished she had done differently. So I took that idea and I really started 
thinking about it and I really built upon it. And I went and asked other, um, from that, that became actually the premise of one of my signature packing lists. I have four signature packing lists based on a number of clothing. So that was, that became the minimalista packing list, the six piece packing list Mm -hmm. and based on those principles. And then I took those ideas and asked other, um, women, um, that I met traveling, can you tell me, you know, what you packed, what worked, what didn't work, what were your most important pieces, um, what, what, what shoes worked, what were the best clothing items, do you like your backpack, why, why not? So everything and anything, the conversations really took off. And then, I mean, it was things such as, you know, the the girl who only traveled with six pieces of clothing, she said, you know, one of the things I actually wish I would have packed was eyeliner. She said at home, and this may seem really trivial, but the thing she said is at home, I wear makeup and I like to get dressed up and I like to wear heels. And I completely brought things that didn't suit me and didn't really represent how how I would dress at home. And she felt like the one thing at least she could have brought was an eyeliner. So, yeah. <laughs> and really Pat, more than anything, all these things are about being prepared. So you're confident when you're traveling in new places, but it's also about feeling confident within yourself because I don't know about you, but I'm sure you have your favorite t-shirt and jeans and things that you could wear almost every day and you just feel comfortable and confident. And that's what it's about. It's about feeling comfortable in your own skin. I love that. I love how you brought it back to just understanding how your audience feels. And and I think that's a really important thing because a lot of times we get lost in the minutia of content and SEO and business models, which again, like I said, we'll get to in a little bit, but it really comes down to how are you making your audience feel? And when you can make them feel great and you can give them that reward, well, they're going to continue to come back. And obviously they have, your website has grown to, to quite big. And before we get to how much traffic you have in the business model, curious after those conversations you know i'm just, i'm just curious to, to know like putting a website together is not an easy thing what what drove you to do all that work to compile the, all this information because you could have just collected all that information from those conversations for yourself and just have kept those tips and secrets to yourself but why why share them and why build this resource were you actually thinking to yourself oh i i can put this together and build a business out of it or i want to know what was going through your head in the, in those early moments well, as I spoke to these other um, the other travelers, I realized that there was a problem, and these girls were experiencing the same issues that I was. They weren't happy with what they brought. They wished they would have packed differently, and it was impacting their travels, whether from a practical sense or just from a feeling happy mm-hmm. type of um experience. So I wanted to get the word out. And when I, again, I, I did research for about a year. So one day I just woke up and I just knew it. There was this feeling like I have to share this with other people. I hate the way I felt. There's been times where, you know, packing the wrong things or my friends packing the wrong things impacted my experience and made me absolutely hate one of my travel experiences because the suitcase handle broke and we were dragging around a big giant suitcase up and down the stairs in Europe and going from train and I hated it and I didn't want anybody else to feel that way. And when I when I heard all the frustrations and I had my own frustrations, I knew I had to get the word out because it was something simple that could be avoided. Mm-hmm. And I started having these conversations online on Twitter back then and um, it was people were really responsive and I started re- looking at what people, the questions they were asking online. It's how should I pack here? I'm freaking out. You know, I'm, I don't know what to take. I've got this giant suitcase. And I, I don't know. There was something inside that just said, you have to do it and you have to do it now. So That's I really did. Cool. 
it wasn't easy. I'm not a tech person. It was very difficult, but luckily I had a few serendipitous experiences that helped me find someone that helped me get my website together. At what point were you like, okay, like this could be my thing and this is my business and I can make money from this? At what point in the journey did, did those things cross your mind or had they already? Man, Pat, even till this day, I kind of, I still feel like, like, I don't even think it's real, I guess. It's been such a journey and it's just travel fashion girl really blew up very quickly. And I've, I've been, I've just struggled to keep up with the demand since day one. So I never really actually had a chance to think, you know, in the beginning, it was actually a couple of years before I, I thought, oh, I can try to do this full time. You know, I just started hearing about how other travelers were having a blog online or people were working online and they were doing it full time. So it wasn't until after about a year that I thought, you know what, I'm going to try doing this full time. And while I'm traveling, because I was still going back home to work seasonal jobs to save money to travel. That's the way I was traveling full time at the time. Um, so it kind of never really hit me. I did start earning revenue early on within the first six months. So it was very, because the traffic just blew up really quickly, but it I, never, it, 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 I was very slow to process the whole thing. Yeah, no, that's okay. It almost seems like, you know, you were just doing this for reasons to help others and you really hadn't even really created a plan, which is okay. I mean, this is kind of what, what happened to me when I started my architecture website. So first six months, you're already getting traffic. How in the world did that happen? Two things, because... Um, one SEO, I happened to be doing um, a work exchange in Koh Samui, Thailand for a digital marketing agency when I launched the website. That's actually where I launched the website, where I met people that helped me. We did an exchange. but So I learned about SEO and keyword research and everything. So every single, almost every single article from the very beginning had a keyword or even a poor of attempt, um, a poor attempt at SEO. But that was, um, that definitely was a big factor and it still is now mm -hmm. and the other thing was social media i was there on um i used twitter to really start the communications back then and it was i was on twitter six hours a day non-stop in fact the first two months when i launched the website i was just i don't think i slept for two months i think i was working like 20 24 hour days because i was just so excited and things were just happening naturally that's great well thank you for sharing just how much hard work you put into this now, you also said that you already started generating revenue in the first six months. How, how are you doing that? Well, one of the things about the, one of the things about the information that we share on the blog are the packing lists and the guides. And I really wanted to provide a visual. So I was showing examples of the type of clothing that people were wearing in the destina destinations, such as if you're traveling to Sydney, this is the type of clothing that you can bring. And it was less for people to follow the exact styles, but more so for them to see, okay, there's sleeveless tops and shorts. It means that it's this destination. It's going to be hot. I don't have to bring my big bulky, you know, parka or anything like that. And in doing so, I was showing examples of the clothing. Well, in the beginning, I wasn't linking to the clothes because I didn't know that I should or I could. Mm -hmm. And the, I started getting emails from readers saying, hey, you know, I, I want to buy those pants. I want to buy that dress. Where did you get it? Where can I buy it? Can you please add links? And I was baffled by this. And, I'm, you know, so I started adding links. And then six months into it, my mentor at the time 
told me that I could actually add affiliate links. I could use those links and I could add an affiliate code to them so I could earn commission, a small commission at no extra cost to the to the buyer. So I started doing that and lo and behold, there was my $50 check in January of or my $50 earnings for um, in January of 2013 for Amazon. So that was pretty cool. Cool. So it was, it was through Amazon Associates that you were linking to a lot of the gear and the, and the clothes that you were sharing? Amazon and also other um, programs like Commission Junction and Share Sale and Link Share for the clothing, but Amazon for the gear and clothing would be the other. That's so cool. So what was it like for you to build something online and actually start to see some income coming from the thing that you created online when you had normally been used to making money through these seasonal jobs? It was so exciting and it was just fun and it still is fun. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it because it really was such a whirlwind. Um, but it was cool to see the opportunities. But again, I don't think I quite understood the possibility behind it. I mean, I kind of thought, man, if I could make, you know, enough money, you know, a couple hundred dollars a week or something where I could just cover the cost of my travel. And even then, I don't think my plan was really that that broken down. It was just, it was, it was just cool. And I was excited by it happening, but it really, I know it sounds silly, but it actually, I actually really didn't go into it as a business or, you know, planning for income. I thought, Hey, you know, if if I can make some money on a blog at that point, you know, people weren't talking about, you know, there wasn't as common as it is now. Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought if I could, you know, maybe make a little money, that's cool. It was a bonus. (laughs) So So what is your traffic like now? The traffic is now we have almost a million monthly visitors a month and that's just absolutely incredible. I mean, wow, it's, I'd like to get to that million. I think I'm just so far, just so close to it. I think it was like 973,000 or something, but it's been amazing. And, you know, really early on within the, I think when we were at that six month mark, we were already at 35,000 unique monthly visitors. Wow. And to remind everybody that a lot of that was coming from SEO. And I know uh, based on our conversations in our group that a large amount of your traffic is still coming from SEO, although you do have a community now on Facebook and stuff. And we'll have all the links and assets that you have to share on our show notes uh, for everybody. So I'll mention that link at the end. But I kind of just wanted to frame like Alex just said a million monthly visitors like remember how she started, she just had conversations and that's it. And she started creating useful things like the packing list and talking about other helpful things. And just, I mean, wow, look at what you could create if you just create. And a lot of the lessons learned here is just, you just got to build something useful for people. And those conversations, like I said, are really important. So another important lesson here are your packing list. That was, those were kind of like your go-to kind of signature thing. You even, I think you even call them your signature packing list. And I think Every brand can have their own equivalent of a packing list. And I showed you this very recently. A good friend of ours who has also been on the show before, Thomas Frank from collegeinfogeek.com. He has his own version of a packing list, which is for people who like want to go to college. What do I need to get before I live in the dorms? Or, you know, how do I, you know, what, what kinds of things do I need to be an A plus student at, at college? With me, I have my resource page, which is a compilation and a compendium of all the sort of top tools that you can have to become an entrepreneur. And I think no matter what kind of brand you have, you should have like your signature equivalent of like Alex's packing lists. Do you have any specific strategies that 
we can use to create our own version of a packing list based on your experience? Like how do we best make that happen and make it useful for our audience? It really is a checklist. I mean, regardless whether it's a checklist on, you know, whatever that niche is, whatever your topic is, what's the easiest, what, what's going to be a checklist, whether it's a photography checklist. If you have a YouTube channel, for example, my question is, I always want to know what gear is everybody using to actually produce the videos. So a gear checklist from photography to parenting, you know, what should be in that diaper bag, you know, new moms want to know. So just an easy checklist and providing links to suggested items, ideally products that you yourself have used or, you know, have been recommended. And then that's how you're providing value. And, and in doing that, then you can also, then you're getting the monetization because those checklists have links to products. That's so cool. And I'm looking at your packing list page here. You actually have a packing list directory. They're all printable, editable, but you have like the Asia packing list, Africa, Europe, South Pacific, um, something that you call the round the world packing list and Europe and wow. So I could, and, and even more. So I could print these out and these are really useful. And I would imagine that if you just spend a little bit of time for those of you listening, thinking about what your version of a packing list could be, I mean, imagine what kind of asset that could be for SEO, for growing your email list, for helping people. Um, and, I, and, and I think that would be a great exercise that a lot of you can take away from this because it, it's it's definitely something that I think can also tie into the affiliate earnings that you have as well. So if your packing list were to reference the clothing and the other gear, like then it's kind of a win for everybody at that point because people want know what you as a brand or as a personality would recommend and that's kind of you've earned that right to share and recommend things instead of just a directory of all the things you're actually giving people your your top choices and when you build authority you have the ability to kind of help guide people and and that's essentially what you're doing here which is fantastic so to go back you initially started with affiliate marketing and i also see some ads on your website as well how are the ads going and what has been your experience with sort of ads on your website? The ads are something that I really um, fought for such a long time because I, I, I really didn't, I've been really careful with the way I, I represent the brand and what I, what I present to the audience. You know, I'm always thinking about them. Number one, how are they going to be impacted by this? Number two, how are they going to find this useful? So I didn't want the ads to be intrusive. Um, so I did test them out. And this was a really big help for us. It was a big increase in our revenue. Um, we started them for the first time um, last about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And in having the increase in revenue, it's actually allowed us to build the business and it reinvest back into it. So it's been good for us and also good in being able to give back and create bigger resources, bigger things. And I can't, it was something that I didn't test and I, I should have tried it a long time ago. But now my goal is to kind of work the website a little bit more so that way they're integrated a little bit more seamlessly. But mm-hmm. I am still careful about the ads that we do show. For example, if there's an ad that, that has messaging that I don't want to be aligned with, I will contact the company and ask them not to feature that particular ad on the site. What ad platform are you involved with right now? Because I know there's a lot. There's like AdSense and, you know, there's a ton of them. Do you have any tips and recommendations for those who have websites who want to experiment with advertising? 
hundred percent. It's um, what I'm using right now is AdThrive, and it is such. It has really been a game changer for the business. It's incredibly profitable. The revenue is much higher than the other ad platforms. And I think it's you're required to have a hundred thousand unique monthly visitors a month or a hundred thousand page views a month. But in addition to that, there's also if you have I think fifty thousand unique visitors or fifty thousand page views a month, there's also MediaVine. And before that, there's Google AdSense, obviously. But if you can get to the point with higher page views, then you can definitely that is a, a big passive income that I was missing out on for so many years. So if I could go back when I first started making um, these kinds of having these kinds of page views, I really wish I would have incorporated this a lot sooner. And I think recently it's become way more common than it was before. It seems like banner ads have made almost a comeback. So I definitely um, I'm, I'm very happy with that move. So you mentioned the sort of order AdSense, which anybody could get access to. And then above that 50,000, Minimum page views or uniques per month would be Media Vine. Was that the name of it? Yes, Media Vine. And then Ad Thrive. And correct me if I'm wrong, the unique thing about Ad Thrive, which I just figured out, was that they pay you based on impressions, not clicks. They do. That's correct. So that means like just the fact that you have visitors alone means you're going to get paid. And I know a few other people who have switched over to Ad Thrive and have had like a 2x to sometimes 5x increase in their advertising revenue. Now, that doesn't mean you just put ads everywhere on your website. Obviously, like you said, you want to treat it uh, in a way that still serves your audience, but that that's a huge increase. And I'm curious, in addition to the change to ad thrives and in, in adding ads on your website, what other things that you've done in the past that have offered a nice spike and increase in your revenue? It's been a big part of our initiative over the past year has actually has actually been going back and optimizing our old posts or not just old posts, but our most successful posts, sort of our top five, 10, 20, all of our top articles, really re-optimizing them with um, affiliate links, products, content. Are we providing the best content? Are we giving the best product recommendations? Are they the most relevant product recommendations? So I do look at the data Everything that we're doing now is really more data-driven. So we're looking at the what are the most popular shoes, what colors are the most popular, and then we're featuring those. And also in the in we're optimizing the content also for SEO. So going back at the at the article and look, okay, well originally I opt I had planned it for this keyword, but now what other keywords can I incorporate it? How can I use a 2018, 2019 SEO strategy to make it a stronger article? And that's going to be something that's something that's really helped us because in the past, for example, even if we did have a really popular article, maybe it was ranking at number one, but you know, maybe it was just an article I never really thought would would be very popular or a topic I didn't think people cared about. But in it, I didn't have any product recommendations, or maybe the content was just lacking. Mm-hmm. So it's a great opportunity not only to benefit, um, not only to you know, increase our revenue, but also for the reader, for them to get more information as I'm going back and I'm really cleaning that up. So that's been a major boost for us over the past year and something we're going to be focusing on a lot more going forward for 2019. That's huge. You know, going back into the past in your archive and updating things has been something that we've been doing too. 
largely due to a recommendation from one of my friends, Todd Trester, who we featured on episode 200, who gave himself a little bit of an audit and deleted a third of his content and actually increased his traffic as a result of that. And going back and, and re-updating things and republishing them with new information, sending them out to your email list again. A lot of you who have been following SPI have seen that I've been doing that, and it's been really working for increasing traffic as well. So, Alex, would you mind giving us like a rundown, step-by-step process for doing that? You know, we're right into the new year now, and it would be a fun exercise for people to do. So, perhaps even going back into like, how do you even like? Do you start with Google? Add uh, or Google Analytics to see what's popular, and then after you figure out what your most popular posts are, like give us give us the step by step for how we can kind of maximize those efforts with older posts. Definitely, step number one is going to Google Analytics and pulling up the data and choosing a date range, whether it's a month, a year, two years, and going through to see what are the most popular articles and having a look. That was actually one of the first things that I did and back in, um, somebody recommended back in January 2014. And that's when I saw the first boost. And that's actually when I was able to really hire my first um, my first team member because I saw that boost and because that boost came in. So mm-hmm. I was able to reinvest into the, into the business. So carrying on with that and taking it to the next level, then it would be. Are you looking at, I'm sorry, uh, just the traffic alone within a certain time period or are there, are there any other sort of data points or factors that you account for in there? Well, in the, in the very beginning, I pull it as an initial list, you know, what are our most popular articles based on traffic? Based on traffic. That's, okay. That's what I'm looking at first. Sorry for not clarifying. That's okay. And then once I have that, I now know my order of what to optimize. And what I started doing was trying to work on it like one a week because I wanted to get through the like 25 articles or our biggest articles. Mm-hmm. And so we did one a week. I went through then. And then I, if we were monetizing the, the article, for example, on Amazon, then I was able to go back and look at the analytic at the data from the sales on Amazon to see, okay, well, we've featured these types of products. And these are the ones that are selling the most, which means that the readers are most interested in learning about this. So let's remove what they're not interested in Mm, and focus more on showing the products that they are interested in. So we even took it a step further in looking, okay, well, if they are buying this type of product, what color are they choosing? So now we're featuring the colors that they do like. And in doing so, by also looking at the sales data, we were also able to see complementary products that we weren't even thinking about. So really, a lot of what we've done has been guided by the readers, what they like, what they want. you know. And here, I'm indirectly getting their feedback by knowing what they're what they're buying that way i can show people and uh, i can actually show the stuff that people want and i know that it's that it's a and i know that because i can actually look at the data so that's been really important then there's a that's from monets from the monetization point of view now from an seo point of view then i go um i use hrefs so i go and then i run the a report on hrefs for the article and pull to see what keywords if any the article was ranking for and then re-optimize the article for on hrefs then use um then do some research and see you know what how else can we what how can we make the content more informative and what other questions can we answer that a reader might have and that tool one more time was uh, is that uh, ahrefs.com 
Yes. Okay, correct. cool. Yeah, I use that tool as well. It's great. I'll tell you guys more about it in a little bit. But okay, one important thing I want to mention that I don't want people to forget that I think is genius is that you're going back to these articles, right, based on traffic, and that's just a good sign for, okay, there's opportunity there. And if you are monetizing those articles, because even if you're not monetizing them, they're still bringing new people in who could find other pages. So it's important to do this for both pages that are highly monetized and pages that are not. They're highly trafficked, so they're bringing people in. But the ones that are monetized, you're actually going even deeper into the sales reports, and that those are just reports that Amazon Associates gives you, right? Like they give you that information. Yes, because we've used tracking IDs for a good bulk of the posts, Mm -hmm. not all of them, but the ones that we have, we've been able to look at the tracking ID and see what's selling on the article. And a really quick side note I want to say is for, um, you mentioned that some high traffic articles, maybe they're not being monetized and maybe they're not, it's not possible to monetize them through an affiliate product, but that's where ad thrives really come into play because now by having an ad there, I'm able to monetize it even though I couldn't do it through a product. So it's given me an alternate option and, um, and in just the same, uh, in the same way, there are some articles that are highly monetized through products. So I remove ad thrive completely. So it's just one or the other. Oh, smart, smart. I like that a lot. <clears throat> okay. Now you're going into the reports and seeing what people are buying. And if that page, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't seem to be, you know, selling that particular product, you just kind of remove it, right? Yes. And actually what I found, for example, like, let's say we have, um, like we feature 25 products and then out of those 25, if people are only really shopping for 12, then we'll only feature 12. But we also look at the returns because just because a product sells, a lot. It doesn't mean that it's a good product. So I want to. I don't want to feature products that aren't good quality. And we're also analyzing returns as well. So we're looking at everything. But I've also found that offering, that showcasing less options has been better. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I also like what you said about okay, like for the products that they are buying, you said that you're also then adding the products that are complementary to it. How are you discovering what those products are? That you didn't the, even know. Oh, sorry. By the sales data, just by, you know, we're just pulling everything. So in the tracking ID, I can see, and I, I know Amazon has an, an easier way to do this now. They just launched it this year. Um, but for me, what I have been doing in the past is using the tracking IDs. And by pulling all the sales data, I can see we, we sort it by the products that sell the most mm-hmm. and the quantity. So we're looking at what those are. And we've been surprised that some people, maybe they, they click a link and they end up buying something else. So that's maybe a product we hadn't really thought about, something complimentary. I'm, I'm trying to remember, oh, I think it was um, in, in our anti-theft accessory article, we found that people were buying maybe a, an anti-theft wallet, which we weren't featuring. So then we added it on there as one of our offerings. That's so cool. So so it is actually coming from still the same report. So because what happens is, for those of you who don't know, when people click through an affiliate link, any affiliate link, you get to see the data on what else they're buying too because everything that goes in their cart within 24 hours, you also get a chunk of money for, uh, from Amazon for, which is cool. So you're able to see it there. I thought that, um, and maybe you're doing this, I don't know, but 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 my head went to, okay, like you go to the um, sales page on Amazon for that product that you promoted that is popular and they're buying. And then you can also see, because Amazon has those algorithms that show you people who bought this also bought 
also bought this. And I imagine that that could be a good resource for other complementary products as well. But you're going to just, well, what, what exactly are people buying, which is probably the best, best way to go about it too. We will actually, um, that's, I call it, I, I call that the Amazon or the target strategy. If you go and you go into the swimwear section of target, then, you know, they, I think I read an article where target places some block right next to it, you know, yeah. see that which it can, it helps you shop. And it's true. You go in there, you can, you know, one stop shop. So that's, we do, we are adding more, um, looking into adding more of the products that Amazon suggests, um, only if it's really something major, um, in particular, one thing I think we were, we are obviously a women's site, but some women might travel with a, a male partner, a male travel partner. So we did notice that one of the, there was a, a, ma- um, a men's jacket that was always commonly um, purchased with that jacket. So that was something that we're adding. So, hey, if you're traveling with a male travel partner, you know, this is the most, this might be a, a recommended jacket. I love that a lot. Um, it's making me wonder in my business, for example, I need to go into Amazon because I know a lot of people, for example, buy, you know, will it fly using my affiliate link, but like what else are they adding in the cart? What other books are they getting at the same time? Have I recommended those books yet? Have I reviewed them? Are, are they a part of my book club? So even, even just this is like seeding those ideas for me, which is, which is really fantastic. Alex, this is awesome. So what, what else do I need to know? How, how else has your business grown? Like, tell me what's on your mind. Well, and, you know, I, I do want to say the way that you're saying it makes me think, well, you know, people that buy will it fly, you know, I, you, you might be thinking about this just now and it's so late in your business. I just thought about this just a year ago. So we've been collecting all this data all these years, but we've never really done anything with it. So now it came into play. So mm-hmm. just, just a quick disclaimer. I'm not an expert. I'm not a pro at this, but it's, it's actually something that we've been utilizing. In addition to that, like you, like you mentioned right now, there are books that you may have not read. You may have not reviewed. This has actually been a really big part of this year because I've been discovering not just in the data, but also in the conversations with the audience, the products that they're recommending the post the most, the products that they're really passionate about. So I've gone ahead and I've bought them. So then I can test them out and see what I think. And then if, for example, if if there's a pair of boots and I know they have really high sales on Amazon or wherever it is, and then I know people are also talking about these boots on our Facebook group, well, I want to learn why. Why are these so great? So I buy them, test them out, and I can say, hey, oh my God, guys, this is awesome. I just found a new product you guys suggested. And that's actually how I've discovered so many products for me this year that I've also been able to use personally and also that I'm featuring on the blog. And I really love that because it's really not so much what I'm recommending. This is what I use. It's now going back full circle saying, you guys use this. You guys love this. And now I found out why. Thank you for recommending it. And this is my feedback about it as well. That's so, great. What a way, what a way to cultivate like the community and be a leader while also just being somebody who listens to, to, to your tribe, which I think is amazing. And you had said earlier, or I know that your tribe is on, on Facebook. And one thing that I know you do very well that you've actually taught me and the other accelerator students uh, at some mo- moments in time was your expertise on going live on Facebook. So I'd love to know what your strategy is for Facebook lives and what's your cadence and do you have any tips to share with us who also have communities? I am obsessed with Facebook live right now. I love Facebook live. And for me, it's 
for many years, probably for the first four years of the business, I was really scared or afraid to be the face of the brand or the face of the blog. It's it really and even still now, it really isn't my goal and it was never my goal. So it was really scary to put myself out there on on Facebook Live. But it's now one of my favorite things to do because it's a chance to really connect with the audience. I'm speaking, you know, where where I'm I'm getting a chance to connect with them on a whole other level. And I'm also giving, I'm using the Facebook lives almost as webinars and I'm not just going in like, Hey, you know, who's tuning in today? What's the weather like in your destination? I'm going in straight, you know, straight from the beginning saying today, I'm going to teach you about how to pack for the cold weather. And I go and give a really informative webinar. I'm not upselling at the end. There's no pitch. It's just, here's exactly how to pack. Here are my tips. These are some of the products I recommend. And then if you're interested in the products, which I get a lot of questions, then they can go to um, a URL on my website where I then after the Facebook live is over, I, I put, share all the products and I post links there so they can then go and purchase them. So this is, this has been, that's a bit strategic in the sense that it makes it easy for me to be able to respond to everybody because they might say, Oh, can I get a link to those shoes? Can I get a link to the socks? Can I get a link to this? So instead of uh, giving them a hundred links, you know, we're looking at like a hundred comments here, then I can just send them to one place where they can find links to all the products. So that helps me. I'm giving them the information that they want, but it's also, I'm also able to monetize the Facebook lives through affiliates that way as well by sending them, sending them back to a certain page. And, but the Facebook live isn't just about that one. It's about connecting the audience, but it's also about creating content. I've sort of, I call it my super content, um, that funnel. I forgot what I forgot my name for it. But what I another reason why I started doing Facebook lives is because I wanted to be able to use that content and repurpose it throughout my um, blog and my YouTube channel, social media and everything. So I try to record as good of a, as best quality of a Facebook live as I can, always in a horizontal format. Mm -hmm. That way I can use it for YouTube. And then, um, so it's about, I usually do about a 20 to 30 minute minimum Facebook live up to, up to 60 minutes. Of course, because I'm talking, I'm speaking about a subject I feel very knowledgeable about. I want to give as many tips as possible. So that's why they're so long. It's like a, an audio blog post essentially. And I then send that Facebook live to um, a video editor who then pieces it down to about 10 minutes long, five to 10 minutes long. So we can then repurpose it for a YouTube video. Now I know it's not perfect YouTube star quality, but that's okay because my goal isn't to be a YouTube star. My goal is to give my audience a new way to digest the information and some people aren't on Facebook as well. So this gives them a chance to get to see the presentation essentially without having to go see the whole thing. They just get the highlights in the YouTube video. Now after that Facebook live is over, not only do I send that video link to the editor, but then I also send that link to rev.com to get it transcribed. And that means I now have a transcription of the Facebook Live, which I can repurpose into an article or several articles on the blog. So this is this one hour that I've invested of my time, spending quality time with my audience, really connecting with them. Mm -hmm. I'm also now able to produce content for the YouTube and also the blog. And from there, obviously, then 
I then have a video that can go inside the blog post or other blog posts to help boost the SEO for them. So it's really a full circle thing. And I can even, if that, I can even down reuse obviously that those as tips to then go into social. I share that on social. So it's a full circle, um, content repurposing things that I do with Facebook live. Wow. That that's epic. How much time do you spend preparing for a Facebook live before you actually go live? Probably not enough. <laughs> um, probably not enough. I should, I should be better prepared, but I kind of find that I, I just like to be a little bit more authentic in myself, which sure. is I'm never prepared and that works out and my readers like it. I feel the most like myself that way, but um, I, you know, probably about I, at least an hour setting up in advance, trying to make sure that the lighting is correct. I've got, if I'm using lights, that they're in the right place, that the, um, the, my phone and I'm recording with the phone. I'm not using any fancy ta- like a fancy camera because I, I'm pretty bad with stuff like that. So I just try to keep it simple. I just want to get it done. And this for me, Facebook live allows me just to accomplish a goal and create a video, and not worry too much about it being perfect, which is something that I struggle with. Everything has to be perfect. So this gives me the permission not to be perfect. And, um, so with that being said, I also have, you know, get my products ready. The script, I don't actually write a script because I feel that if I don't, if I need to write a script and I don't not, I don't know the information well enough to talk about it. So, then I don't bother with that. I just talk about a, a something about a topic that I do know and I'm very confident about. And that's what I go. And usually the topic's based on something seasonal. For example, right now it's winter time. So people are traveling in the winter. Yesterday I did a Facebook live about how to pack for cold weather. And I gave an example. I did a demo. I showed the type of clothing, how to pack it. And, um, Otherwise, and otherwise, I'll be sharing next week, for example, I'm maybe doing a Facebook Live about how to downsize toiletries because I know these two topics, they're seasonal, but they're also things that people struggle with. And I'm, I'm listening. I'm actually the how to pack for cold weather. It was a big issue, a big topic. People were talking about it all over the Facebook group. So I wanted to go in there as soon as possible and create something for them so they can stop stressing out and they can see that it is possible and help them. I love that. When it comes to preparation for these webinars what was really interesting to me was that you said that you have a url that you know that you're going to send people to prepared ahead of time mentioning the products that you are going to be mentioning in the webinar that takes a little bit of time and care to prepare ahead of time are you creating these for your lives or do you already have those in place and then you kind of do the live webinar uh, facebook live which is kind of like a webinar you're giving information you're teaching you're showing you're demoing is that based on stuff that you've already talked about so that URL kind of already exists or are you creating that list after the fact or, or not after, but you know, for the Facebook live specifically? Both. Um, I have, um, I use the same you, I've been using the same URL this entire, um, for the past year or so travelfashiongirl.com forward slash Facebook dash live that way trying to get, so people get accustomed to always being able to find the same URL. It's mm. easy. And I can, while I'm live, um, I have someone helping me out by sharing the link or um, to that URL. And sometimes if I can prepare enough in advance, and it, it would be smart if I did this every single time, but I've already added the products that I'm going to be talking about. And then other times I do it afterwards because if maybe I'm just flying by the seat of my pants and things are just coming up and it's just natural. I mean, or just for example, yesterday, somebody asked me, um, 
a comment on the Facebook Live was, how much does the packing cube weigh with all the clothing? So I thought, oh, wait, that's a great question. It's Facebook Live. Wait like a second. Let me go find my luggage scale. So then now um, I weighed them, and now there's another product that I I wasn't planning on featuring, but now I can add it after the live. And I do tell them, you know, make sure to come back um, after the live is over. I'm going to update the description. I'm going to go back and answer all your questions. So I will be back after it's done and make sure to do that for you. That's cool. I love that. That's super smart. So people kind of get trained over time to know that, hey, Alex is going to update this or this is updated already for their link with all the things. And I think having it all in one spot is really, is really smart. And um, man, just that, that, that's really great. Um, I want to continue to talk to you for like another couple hours because you have so much sort of really practical information that a lot of the listeners can use and I can use as well. Um, but the final thing I want to talk about before we finish up is I know recently you've launched something that is your own. And I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about kind of why you went down that route and, and really what is this? And I think this is a kind of a dream for a lot of people who have brands, who have traffic to want to go down this route. Um, but you're doing it and it, it's up there. So tell us what that is and, and kind of, uh, and, and feel free to share, you know, the name of it and, and all that stuff. And how has that process been for you? A year ago, I actually launched my own brand of travel accessories. It's called Compass Rose Travel Accessories. I sell them on Amazon. And it took so long to get to the point where I could finally have my own products. In fact, if it wasn't for my husband and his experience sourcing products in his previous career, then I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. It's It was so challenging. Um trying to get to that point where I finally went on Facebook Live and said, you know what, I'm just going to go up here and I'm just going to do this. Otherwise, I'm never going to get to this point because it took me three years of testing products, testing materials, making sure that what I was creating was going to be good enough for my audience. And, you know, it was originally before I should have traveled Fashion Girl, I wanted to start a clothing line. And that was that was my original dream for many years. I used to work in the fashion industry, but mm-hmm. as that dream just changed and evolved over time, I realized, well, I'm really passionate about certain products. And like, for example, packing cubes, these are that this is sort of my anchor product. This is my baby product because this is a product that I found so useful back when I was struggling to travel carry on. And that was the one product that helped me. And as it turns out, this really crappy YouTube video I made um, showing people how I use these packing cubes really hit. And it helps. It's now like I looked at the data, it helps over like 20 million travelers, female travelers downsized their suitcase and travel carry on only with this strategy. So I really was passionate about this. I knew that it worked and it was a product that they love so much too. Everybody just loves them. So I wanted to make my own, but I didn't want to make something that wasn't going to be as good or better than the products I was already using. So finally I got to the point where I found the right manufacturer, somebody I trusted and we were able to move forward with that product, but even then I was really scared. How would my audience react? Is this going to be good enough? Are they going to think this is good? I don't know. It, there's so much self-doubt involved in this process. It was very scary. Mm-hmm. And it, to be honest with you, it still is a very scary journey. And 
what I did was because I was so scared and I was never going to do it. I just made myself go on Facebook live and pre-sell it and sort of test the idea. Will it fly? And I did a, a one hour Facebook live. I showed everybody my sample, the prototype. And I said, for two weeks, I'm going to be opening it up for pre-sale. Um, and if you guys are interested, no matter if I sell five pieces or 5,000 pieces, I'm going to make this for you. I just want to try it and see if it works. And as it turns out, my audience loved it. They, they were so excited by it. I had, um, like in, I had, I think over 600 sales just from that one Facebook live and a couple of emails that I follow up emails that I did. I didn't even announce it really on my blog. I'm, I was just, I'm really bad about promoting my own things. Um, but it was incredible to see that. So then I then spent the next few months getting these products manufactured. Then my husband and I, and even some of our family and friends QC. So we did quality control for each and every single packing cube and there's four per set. So it was like 3,400 or something packing cubes um, that we just wanted to make sure they were good. I I was so, you know, I wanted to be proud and of what I was providing to the audience. And I generally can feel that I am proud of what we, uh, we did. And we actually mailed every single one ourselves to the, to the initial buyers. And I hand wrote a note and it was, um, it was an experience that everybody said not to do, but I don't really like to listen to people. And I just did what I knew was right. I wanted to have it. I wanted to experience that because I didn't want it to be easy. I wanted to have a hands-on experience. How is it done? And we were able to learn so much about shipping, about quality control to make the next batch even better. And then to learn the best ways to fulfill a product. So now we've launched two other products since then, the pack, the, these carry-on size slim packing cubes um, that are color-coded and numbered, which is unique to, they're the only ones that have this organizational system and they're the only ones fit for carry-on travel because obviously I talk about carry-on travel. And then we've also launched an RFID line secret bra stash and an international travel adapter. And we're hoping to launch a few more products in the coming year. So it's a work in progress and I'm very proud of it. And definitely having a blog that talks about the products has been a benefit because now I'm able to organically and naturally add these products where I was recommending other companies. Now I can recommend my own. And because I believe in their quality, I can also do it with um, integrity as well. That's so amazing. Well, you should be super proud of what you've created and you've kind of come full circle. You started out by wanting to help others and you started promoting products that were on Amazon that were not yours then you started making money through advertising. And now here you are actually creating your own products that now live on Amazon and you're selling them to your audience and you're going live and you're selling them. And I also know that they are ranking fairly well in Amazon right now too. So now you're getting new people discovering you and your brand through the products that you've created now, which is just totally amazing. And I'm just so proud of you and, and really excited to see what comes next, Alex. And this is really, really a very encouraging uh, podcast episode because you said a lot of things that I think a lot of people can relate to and I hope you all realize that, you know, really, if you just have the drive to figure things out, you will succeed just like Alex. So you had mentioned earlier that for a number of things that you were scared, like before going live on Facebook or before, you know, figuring out how to sell things, um, that you were not an expert, that you don't know the tech stuff very well, yet you were still able to figure this out. And I want you to finish off the episode by sharing with everybody who's listening right now to start of the new year. We have plans and there's doubts. 
how do you encourage those people to fight through those doubts and take action so they can find success as well in their own way? Really, it's probably something that my husband's always telling me is that it's a lot of those doubts. They're, they're all just within ourselves. They're all really our own. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves in a negative or positive way, and it's coming from us. So we also have the power to change that. It's We have the power to change that inner dialogue. And sometimes you just have to try it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, I went on Facebook Live. If it was horrible and people hated it, well, I could delete it, you know, and and putting your face out there online, it, it is it is a very scary thing to do. I've been very, very fortunate that over the years, I've had really, really minimal neg- negative comments. And I'm so grateful for that, um, I think. But putting yourself out there, it is also about being authentic and being yourself. And I was scared to put myself out there, but I found that in just, you know, being me, whether it's clumsy or silly or unorganized or just showing how much I care and even being vulnerable and really putting your heart on your sleeve. And that might sound cheesy, but it's, it has worked and you just have to, you've got to try it. And that's all you can do is try And Otherwise you'll never know. Alex, thank you so much. What can we expect from travel fashion girl and compass rose in the future? Bigger and better than ever before. (laughs) My goal is always to double. I want to double in growth, double in traffic every year. Compass Rose, I'd love to continue growing, and I do plan to launch another two to three products next year. But really, it's just flowing. Um, You know, I'm I'm in this for the long haul. I believe in the brand, and I believe in the audience, and I believe that we're in how we can help the community. So I'm going to continue listening to the community and what they want and evolve as you know, based on how they, what they want to hear from me, what they want to see from me. I love it. Well, keep up the great work, Alex. Thank you so much for being here and sharing with us your wisdom, your experience, and encouraging all of us to continue to push forward. The URLs for where people can go to find you. Travelfashiongirl.com and the items are on compassrosetravelaccessories.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alex. We appreciate you. Thank you, Pat. This has been incredible. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. You rock. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Alex. Again, you can find her at travelfashiongirl.com. And of course, all the links and the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find at the show notes page on the SPI blog. You can find that at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 353. Smartpassiveincome.com slash session 353. Alex, I know you're listening to this. I'm so thankful that you... Uh, trusted me to help coach you this past year through the Accelerator Program. For those of you who don't know what the SPI Accelerator Program is, uh, many people actually haven't heard of it. I launched it last year. Around this time, actually, I started an application process in 2018 for the higher level, more advanced segments of my email list. And so um, that's a much smaller segment of my email list, but I needed a way to serve that audience because most of the content that I was coming out with on the podcast and the blog were more for the beginner and intermediate people in my audience, but I knew there was a segment of audience who was more advanced who could use some more precise advice and some different kinds of coaching versus what an entrepreneur who is just starting out could use. And so I recruited about 12 people and we have been meeting every other week uh, on a call and we even met in person in San Diego not too long ago to have a two and a half day retreat together to really break down our businesses and build it back up even stronger. And I, I cannot just talk about Alex enough and how amazing she is. Um, she contributed so much to this group. And so she is a person to follow for sure because of her knowledge 
and her expertise in this space, as you can tell. So again, one more time, travelfashiongirl.com, and uh, she's got some products and some articles and some very helpful articles there uh, for you if you're going on any travels upcoming as well. So thank you so much. I appreciate you for listening in, and I look forward to serving you in the next upcoming episodes here. We have a lot of great stuff coming your way and a big announcement coming next week. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. A big announcement, a huge change. Probably if you were to actually compare it to other things that have happened in my business, it might actually be the biggest decision I will have ever made ever in my business since I started it 10 years ago. Uh, So make sure you stick around and listen for that one. It's a big one. I have a special guest to share that announcement with you. So until then, I appreciate you. Here we go, 2019. Let's rock it out. Cheers, and I'll see you in the next episode. Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today... I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.